Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We are seeing uh, in uh, in today's programme, picking up from yesterday's programme, uh, looking at Acts chapter 15, Colin, how Paul was very quickly embroiled in a, in a fierce debate when he arrived back in Antioch, this debate as to whether the Gentile believers had to obey the law and uh, be circumcised. And it was Peter who came to his defence. What we're seeing here is apostolic authority, that, yes, everybody is allowed to state uh, their position, but we're actually seeing uh, some apostolic authority being exercised here. So Peter stands up and puts it, the word in that that uh, it was by faith in Jesus Christ that people were saved and received the Holy Spirit, not not um, because of the law. And therefore, he is really saying there is no need for Gentiles to be circumcised. We must remember that circumcision was not part of the law. It was it existed a long time before the law, and it, it was given to Abraham long before the law was given to Moses. But of course, it was incorporated in the law in the sense that it was the mark of becoming part of the Jewish covenant people. So, uh, you know, it was to to people like Peter and Paul. These legalists just wanted to put their mark upon these Gentile believers, and their response to that was, no way is that right. Uh, So now, why do you question uh, what God has done by putting a yoke on the necks of these Gentile disciples that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? This cannot be right. We believe that we are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as these Gentiles have been. The whole gathering listened attentively as Barnabas and Paul told of the miraculous signs and wonders God had performed through them among the Gentiles. In conclusion, James summed up. Now, there's lots of different Jameses. This is James, the brother of Jesus, who it seems was the senior elder in the church of uh, Jerusalem. He wasn't an apostle, but he was sort of the chairman. This was a Um, a uh, meeting of the church in Jerusalem. So he speaks with authority. Listen to me, my brothers. Simon has reminded you of how God first showed that it was his purpose to take a people for himself from among the Gentiles. This agrees with the written prophecies that have been handed down to us. Then I will return and restore David's fallen kingdom. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it, that the faithful remnant may seek the Lord together with all the Gentiles who believe in my name. This is what the Lord says, for this is the purpose he determined long ago. Therefore, in my judgment, we should not add unnecessary difficulties for the Gentiles who are turning to God. It will be better for us to write to them, informing them that they should not eat meat offered to idols, nor indulge in sexual immorality. They should not drink blood, nor eat the meat of strangled animals. For the law of Moses has been read and preached on every Sabbath in the synagogues in every city from the earliest time. Then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church, decided to select representatives to send with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch. They chose two of their leaders, Judas, Barsabbas, and Silas. Now, what is going on here? A definitive, authoritative uh, 
uh, judgment is being made on the matter, a decision. The whole church agrees with that. They back up their spiritual leaders and they therefore agree to send these representatives to take this letter around to all these churches, these Gentile churches, or these churches in Gentile areas, because of course they were, uh, uh, the churches were made up of a mixture of Jewish and Gentile believers. So they were going to, to um, send this letter so that everybody in those churches would have the official authoritative position stated clearly. So what was in this letter? From the apostles and elders, your brothers. Now, it is written in the name of the leadership, not of the whole church. The whole church was backing the leadership, but it is those with the spiritual authority that are writing the letter. To the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We have had reports about the way you have been disturbed by those from the church here who came to you without our authorization, how you were troubled by their teaching. So they're making it clear that these Jewish legalistic believers never had their authorization to go and preach and to say these things. They were mavericks. They were doing this on their own. It was their own perception of things. It had never been the official policy. So we have all agreed to send our official representatives to you, Judas and Silas, along with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, two men who have endangered their lives for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will confirm by word of mouth what we write in this letter. Now this is tremendous wisdom because, you know, you write a letter and immediately, especially to people with a Jewish mindset, there's going to be the questions, how do we interpret this? How do we understand this? Let's sit down and have a debate as to how it should be interpreted. So uh, the leadership in Jerusalem gainsays all that, and, and they send these representatives, Judas and Silas, who will definitively explain anything that needs to be explained so that nobody can put their own interpretation upon what is said by the leadership in Jerusalem. So then the letter continues, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything further than these requirements. You are not to eat food offered to idols, nor are you to drink blood or eat the meat of strangled animals, and you must not indulge in any form of sexual immorality. You will do well if you obey what we say. Farewell. Um, the, point, the point of all this is that they are not restricted by any dietary laws of, of, uh, the, uh, of, of the Jewish law. Um, they're not to, to uh, eat meat that has been killed in ceremonial ways um, by the followers of pagan religions, and therefore they could be charged that they are still um, participating in pagan practices um, they, they're not to drink blood and of course sexual immorality is out for the very reason that they have, these Gentile believers have come out of these very sexually immoral pagan religions. 
So then the four men left Jerusalem for Antioch where they gathered the church members and delivered the letter to them. They were greatly encouraged by its contents. Judas and Silas, both of whom were prophets, also said many encouraging things that strengthened the faith of the believers. After spending time in Antioch, the brethren there sent them back to Jerusalem with the blessing of God's peace. But Silas believed it was right that he should remain there. So Silas stays on and, and uh, fulfills his ministry there for a period of time. And Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch where they taught the word of the Lord along with many other preachers. So, as I've been saying, Antioch is now this apostolic center. Paul and Barnabas spend periods of time there in between their mission journeys. And their mission journeys could last for considerable lengths of time. After some time, Paul suggested to Barnabas, we should make a return visit to the believers in all the towns where we have already preached the Lord's word and monitor their progress. Barnabas wanted John Mark to accompany them, but Paul thought otherwise because he had left them in Pamphylia and had not persevered with them in the work. They disagreed so deeply about this that they decided to go their separate ways. Barnabas and Mark sailed for Cyprus, while Paul took Silas with him, going through Syria and Cilicia, where they strengthened the churches. They were all entrusted to the Lord's grace by the believers in Antioch. So they're all being sent out again from this apostolic center at Antioch. Now, what's this disagreement all about? Well, now, Paul and Barnabas have been traveling together. Both of them had strong apostolic ministries. And at one level, you can say, well, this is a disagreement, and believers should live in unity and not disagreement. But at another level, you can see the wisdom of what came out of this, that in all things God was working for good, because it meant that far more evangelism could take place. These two strong ministries could actually end up stifling one another, um, Whereas if they went separate ways, both of them could be used much more fully with other assistants that they were raising up to become uh, apostolic leaders of the future so that the church could go on progressing, developing, and being extended. But couldn't they have done that without having such a severe disagreement? Well, you see, the mistake they made was to assume that they would go to all the towns where they'd been together and remain together. Uh, it, you know, it would seem, well, did they really even seek God about that? Did they say, is it right for us to remain together? It was obviously right to go back to these churches and encourage them. But um, uh, this issue of Mark was just something that you can see was used as God, yes, it's always better for things to happen without disagreement. If they'd simply prayed and got the wisdom of the Spirit, hey guys, it's time to separate because you can be much more effective if you go separate ways than just two strong ministries like this going together. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. But the great thing is that as a result, far more happened for the extending of God's kingdom. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 